You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. Well, welcome, church. My name is Matt Lingo, and I am the worship pastor here at Sun Grove. And it is my honor uh, and privilege to share my heart and the message with you all today. Let me start by asking you a question. Have you ever gone somewhere, and when you first arrive, the view just takes your breath away. I can remember uh, about a year ago, our family was uh, heading up to Tahoe for our annual trip. And if you've been up to Tahoe, you know, we're coming really down from the pass there. And I remember first getting the glimpse of that valley and seeing just the incredible white blanket of snow and the deep blue uh, lake waters uh, of Lake Tahoe. And, and as I was unpacking, as we pulled into the, to the parking lot and I was unpacking, I was distracted just by the beauty, the sheer beauty of the place. It took my breath away. But you know what? By the end of the week there, after putting the kids' mittens on, you know, 35 times, as, uh, as you parents can maybe relate, or uh, putting on the snow chains uh, multiple times, I come out to load up in the car and there was that same view right in front of me but I was a little less in awe of it. Has that ever happened to you? Sometimes that can happen in other areas of our life too. I know for me, I just celebrated my 19th anniversary with my wife, Katie, this last week on Tuesday. Can I get a woot woot for that? Uh, but marriage is one of those things that I've found has gotten better and richer with time. But in order for that to happen, you most definitely have to work at it, amen? And in the process, grow, grow closer together rather than further apart. You have to work to recover the awe of the relationship, so to speak. And sometimes the same is true of our relationship with God. And rather than kind of backing away, we've got to press into the process of recovering the awe and wonder. Now, I say the word recover because I think that sometimes, while of course it's, it's still there, it can get covered over by pain or, or, or by stress or by, by confusion. The truth is, 2020 has been one of the most painful years in modern history. From job losses, to injustice, to pandemics, to all kinds of complications and challenges. And in this difficult season, I have found it so important to lean into God's word and often to go back to some of the foundational stories some of the foundational stories uh, and, and see what kind of new lessons that God has uh, to tell me and to open my eyes to in this season and in this time frame. So that's what, kind of what we're going to do together here today as we read from Exodus and some of the story of Moses and God's chosen people in the desert. It kind of feels like we're in the desert right now a little bit these days, doesn't it? But before we do that, let's um, pray together. Would you just join with me and let's just dedicate this time to him. Heavenly Father, um, our minds can so easily be scattered by so many things. There's so many things weighing on us, so many different uh, pieces of information that are, are flying at us from all different directions. So right now, God, we want to just focus in on you, that you would open our eyes, that you would open our hearts and our minds to the truth of your word. We love you, Lord, and we want to just come with a sense of awe and wonder to you today. In Jesus' name we pray, and God's people said, amen. Amen. All right. So we're going to start here in Exodus 14. And before we start 
reading scripture here, uh, let me kind of set the stage. So the Israelites, uh, they had been enslaved in Egypt, right? And God had worked a number of miracles uh, together with Moses to be able to eventually, uh, over, over 10, you know, through 10 plagues, to eventually uh, um, allow, Pharaoh allowed the Israelites to, to be released and to, to be able to go and to be freed from their slavery. And so they're heading out of Egypt now, and all of a sudden they've got the Red Sea directly in front of them. And behind them, they've got Pharaoh's army. So they look like they're trapped. That's kind of setting the stage for what we've got here. And we start in, uh, pick it up at verse 21. It says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. And the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived. Wow, imagine that. I mean, that is one of those incredible miracles that I'd love someday in heaven to be able to see played back, uh, you know, on video or on some giant screen. But, but here was a situation where it looked like there was no hope. They were doomed. And then suddenly you're walking down this dry riverbed and you've got these walls of water on both sides. God will make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. God will make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. I love that song that we sing, right? Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. And I love singing that because how many times do we come to a Red Sea in our own lives and it looks impassable? You know, I remember at the, the start of this pandemic, um, you know, we've got three kiddos. My wife, Katie, and I have three kids and they were all on distance learning. I work full-time uh, for Compassion International. My wife um, works part-time as a special ed teacher, and so she now works from home. And so I remember thinking that, you know, we really, we, we had a Red Sea in front of us with, with all five of us on Zoom. Maybe you can probably relate with that. But, but it, it wasn't parting as we, as we started into doing school. I remember after we uh, even got the upgraded Wi-Fi, we got the, the bandwidth, you know, expanded, and we were just struggling to kind of get through the day. Um, I was running back and forth around the house, just trying to uh, hold the laptop at a strange angle and, and pick up a signal. And we were, just, we were just struggling to even have one smooth video call, let alone um, to, to have, have all five of them uh, work without a hitch. But... You know, I remember thinking, you know, I just wanted the seas uh, to part, so to speak, and for COVID to vanish, uh, for, for, for the jobs and the school to kind of begin to return to normal. But as that didn't occur, um, what I began to see, though, was that he was making a way for a true rich time spent with my kids and my wife. 
and for a time for us to be able to go deep uh, in a way that I never could have foreseen before. And I even think that while there has been an incredible amount of tragedy, I hope someday we'll be able to look back at this time period with, with kind of a certain fondness um, for the way that our families were able to really reconnect in a way that would never have happened otherwise. He made a way where it looked like there was no way. And it's just a reminder to me, maybe, maybe to you too, that, that God is leading us even when it doesn't seem to make any sense at all. His, his timing seems to be off. And, and, you know, wandering in the desert places is about the last thing that we want to do. But we can trust him. Always. He knows our way and he sees the big picture and his plan is always perfect. So they had just come out of that incredible event, that, that miracle. And then it goes on in verse uh, one of chapter 15. It says, then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. They said, I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. I mean, this must have been an incredible mountaintop worship experience. Well, I guess they were, they were in the desert. So um, I guess I'm just speaking metaphorically there. It was a mountaintop worship experience. But, but this would have been incredible, right? Um, and a couple things kind of stand out to me um, here first. First is that, that worshiping is the first purpose of our lives. Amen. Um, Jesus says when asked that the greatest commandment is to worship the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and also to love your neighbor as yourself. That's the second, and it's as important as the first. Clearly, worshiping the Lord can be done in so many different ways too, though, right? It by no means just applies to singing. Um, we can worship the Lord through serving him at our jobs, at our schools, uh, in our neighborhoods. But still, as a worship leader myself, I've got to say that I'm struck here uh, in the second book of the Old Testament just, just at how big of a role music does, in fact, play. Pastor Dave always says this, right? He says, you know, uh, uh, that the Christian faith is a singing faith. And I definitely agree. And I think this passage is just another reminder uh, of how true that is. And I'm struck by a few things, too. Uh, it says that, that there were no lights or stage, right? You know, in, in this case, it was... It was out in the desert. Not really any of the things that we kind of associate uh, with a worship service or a worship experience nowadays, but it didn't make it any less meaningful or less powerful. And in fact, when I think myself back about some of the most powerful worship experiences, some are right here and they're right here on this stage. But there are plenty, quite a few actually, uh, where just a few people uh, are, are gathered together and we're on fold-out chairs at a Bible study and, and one guitar or, or we're at a church with a dirt floor on the mission field in El Salvador. And, and that's because the object of our worship is what matters. The object of our worship is what matters. And even as things have changed a lot this last year, maybe our worship team is singing with no one in the room or you're at home looking at a very small screen and you're distracted by, uh, by the strange beard that the worship light leader decided to grow or something. Um, I kid, but the point is serious, right? And that is that we've got to keep the awe and wonder of who we are worshiping 
and why we are doing it. I know uh, I and our team often have to be reminded of that. And, and while we can simply kind of just remind ourselves, kind of tell ourselves to do that, sometimes we also need to, to do something, right? Uh, do something maybe uh, with our senses to help our heart and our mind get it. One way that I do that is I, uh, I love to experience, you know, firsthand uh, the incredible uh, majesty of creation in nature. I love to be able to see, touch, and feel God's awesome power and might. And just be reminded just how incredibly small we are in comparison to the awesome God, the author and designer of the universe. You know, maybe it's, you know, you're going and, and putting your hand uh, on the rock of, of the vaulting El Capitan. Or it's uh, looking out over a horizon of only, of only sun and a, and a vast blue ocean. I try to do that myself as often as possible, uh, but it's not always uh, uh, so easy to do, especially during a pandemic. So I, I often try to, to, to read the Psalms and use those to be reminded of the awe of our creator. Many times I try to uh, read one here before we, we start um, you know, our corporate time of worship, or, or I'll read them privately with uh, our worship team before we begin our rehearsal. But one of my favorites is Psalm 95, and it reads like this. It says, in one hand, he holds deep caves and caverns. In the other hand, grasps the high mountains. He made ocean. He owns it. His hands sculpted the earth. So come, let us worship, bow before him, on your knees before God who made us. Oh yes, he's our God, and we're the people he pastures, the flock that he feeds. And did you hear that? He holds the vast caverns in one hand, right? And, and then it says he holds, you know, the Himalayas and the mountains and Everest in the other. You can't help but read that and not be inspired by the awe and wonder of the vastness and the might of God. And that's a big deal. And it's so important to keep in perspective as we come and as we worship. It's also incredibly cool for me um, as an artist and musician to, to see kind of one of those first original songs written to the Lord by Moses that we read here uh, in Exodus. I mean, just the, the complete spontaneous nature of it, right? Uh, that's another lesson for me. And it's so awesome to see. It, it's a true, authentic response. And that's what God wants us to do, doesn't he? I mean, following in Moses' footsteps in our time, you know, we could always break into song uh, in the car after a great phone call, or we could, uh, it could be tearful crying out to God after, after a particularly tough call. But the point is, it's an about an authentic response. My uh, amazing wife, Katie, always has this phrase that she uses with me, and it's called, I need to see your quote, first reaction. <laughs> and it's probably because she knows, I know, uh, we, we, we all know that it's the most authentic and honest, right? Good or bad, we want the honesty. We want the truth. That's what a true relationship is. And in the same way, it's what our Father in heaven wants too. For us to be able to go to him honestly with our thanks and praise, but also with the tough stuff and the frustrations, that's actually kind of what happened with um, this single that I wrote and I'm releasing online uh, next week called Lay My Troubles Down. And I wrote it during a uh, particularly challenging season 
um, uh, of my life not so long ago. And the first verse starts out with these lines. It says, in the storm of life, nothing's going right. Lying here in the dead of night, reaching out for something I can't see. I try my best to do it on my own, but I know I need to let it go. I need your mercy, Lord, to rescue me. So I'm going to lay my troubles down. Going to lay my troubles down at the feet of Jesus on my knees. I'm going to lay my troubles down. And I don't know if you guys can, uh, can relate with that. But for me, it was an honest expression of where my heart was. And so like Moses did, like we just read about, I wanted to, to be able to respond and to write it. Anyhow, original music is a big value that I love, that I continue to be part of, and I love to promote here at Sun Grove as an authentic expression of our hearts and our journey and walk with the Lord in our lives. Now, I say promote also because our own Zach Flagg will be releasing a single next Sunday as well called Light. So be on the lookout for that. And we'll have both of those songs on the website, and next Sunday we'll be sure to give you all the info on them. So uh, just be on the lookout for those. Okay, so we continue on in the story here. We're up at chapter 16, verse 1. It says, The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Oh man, how quickly things have changed here, right? First off, God has absolutely provided for them basically at every turn, right? Um, from their freedom, from Pharaoh after the 10 plagues, to actually in chapter 15, we, we kind of skipped over this, but there was water that comes from a rock uh, that God provides for them there in chapter 15. Also, it uh, talks about um, that God uh, led the way with pillar of clouds by day and pillar of fire by night. And now after all of that, all of that, those incredible displays of power and provision. And we're only a month and a half later, right? It says that there in, in uh, verse one and two. But they are somehow now longing for those days as slaves. And in some senses, what I'm also hearing here, um, kind of reading in between the lines, is they wanted that predictability, right? They wanted that control of the situation in knowing what's coming next, rather than having a dependence on God. Can you relate in your own life? Unfortunately, I got to confess and say that I can. I can. I'd like to say no and that I'm always up for the adventure of total dependence, but that's tough, isn't it? It's tough, but it is necessary if we are to be who God truly wants us to be. Well, despite all their, all their grumbling, we go on to read in verse 4 that as it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, uh, I will test them. And on the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. See, God wants us to wholly depend on him one day at a time. One day at a time. And I think that's a huge lesson for us in this time. 
You know, here they were, they wanted to kind of, they wanted to kind of live in the past back in Egypt, or so they thought they did at least, right? But it was just because they knew it. And then, you know, many of them were kind of wanting to, to get to the promised land. But as we know the rest of the story, it, it wouldn't be for another 40 years until they would arrive at that destination. By the way, you know, historians have actually mapped this out. And, 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 and if you, you didn't know, it actually geographically was only an 11 days walk. But like we just heard, God wanted to test them. And instead of 11 days walk, it took them 40 years. But they had to learn to depend on God one day at a time. And we have to do that too, right? And incidentally, this is a lesson that's reinforced throughout the Bible, isn't it? I mean, when we look at the Lord's Prayer, we know that well, right? It says, you know, Jesus doesn't, doesn't pray this. He doesn't say, give us this day enough bread to last, uh, you know, through until the end of the pandemic or, or all the way through until 2022. No, it's give us this day our daily bread. And think about this. This just kind of blows my mind. But take a moment to appreciate this. Did you know that we, the, we unconsciously are relying on God for every moment of our lives? You realize that, right? In Genesis, it literally says that God formed man from the dust, dust and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. That was actually the breath of God. It was, his, it was like his shared air. Throughout the Bible, it says you are breathing actually shared air that comes from God as we, as we breathe in and we breathe out. In Isaiah 42, uh, verse 5, it says, uh, God's message, the God who created the cosmos, stretched out the skies, laid out the earth and all that grows from it, who breathes life into earth's people, makes them alive with his own life, who breathes life into, the, into earth's people and makes them alive with his own life. I mean, we're literally relying on him for every breath. And, and we've got to learn to trust him with the other stuff too, right? Like our, our finances or our homes or our health, right? Some of you guys may not know this, but when I was 27, uh, my ankles all of a sudden started swelling for no apparent reason. And I went to the doctor and they did a biopsy immediately. They were extremely concerned. I, I wasn't at the time, but they were. And they told me that I actually had a rare kidney disease that was rapidly headed toward failure. And I wasn't a candidate for uh, a transplant at the time because if I did get a transplant, the disease um, would infect the new kidney and, and the only treatment, actually, that they knew of had about a 5% success rate with patients. And I remember sitting in that doctor's office and coming to a place where it was incredibly tough. And as I walked out, I just didn't understand what God was doing, if I'm being honest. But I had to come to a place where I had to surrender everything, my life, my, the day to God. And... In the end, praise God, I was in that 5% that responded to treatment. And I firmly believe that I stand here today as a result of a miracle that God was able to work in my life. It was one of those times that I had to learn to depend on him daily. And we've got to learn to do that, no matter what our situation is. Now, don't get me wrong, it's good and it's wise to plan. 
But the speculating game about what could happen or, or how we can outsmart our future can easily begin to rob, of, rob us of our day-to-day joy and really produce more of an anxiety that doesn't accomplish anything. You know, these days, the kind of phrase of the day is be present, right? But that is a truth that is as old as time and it is biblical. And that's because we've got to keep relying and receiving and keep being. You know, we're not, we're not back there in the past, And God doesn't have us up there in the future. We're right here, right now. And it's our being that makes us loved, right? It's not our doing. And I think one of the reasons that we have such a hard time being present is because, you know, the world wants us to think that, you know, if you haven't done this, you haven't accomplished that, you know, you haven't learned a new language or mastered a brand new uh, hobby during the pandemic that you really aren't worth much. And some of you are coming against incredible, enormous amounts of pressure and pain because you're hearing the world continuing to tell us that we always must be going, we always must be doing. But remember this, God loved you before you were doing anything. He loves you just for being. And he wants the best for you. He wants the best for me. If only, just like the Israelites, we'll learn to depend on him. Daily and with everything. Okay, so the Israelites weren't depending so much on God here. And yet, as we still go on to read here in verses 13 and through 15, um, God will move. And he, it says that evening, that evening, quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. And when the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. I mean, wow, this is like, this has got to be what, like miracle 15 by now. And I think I'm being conservative. Uh, it's, It's probably far more than that, you know, but when you're literally getting food rained down on you from the heavens, I would hope, I would hope that uh, I would be excited and grateful for God providing in that way. I mean, this is definitely like the the true version of Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Anybody out there? I don't know if you've seen that cartoon. I highly recommend it. It is entirely not true. It is very entertaining, uh, but it is not reality. However, this was happening. This was food that was raining from the sky. And and it's just another reminder (laughs) for us today, right, in our time that God provides even in our darkest moments. God provides even in our darkest moments. You know, we definitely don't get manna uh, every morning or have the Red Sea parted to physically be able to, to see God's immense power and strength. But he does, he does provide a home, right? He provides a vehicle and the things we need. And because, you know, we often find ourselves in a world that doesn't give credit to the Lord as the source of life and the the object of their worship, we sometimes just forget how good God is and how powerful he truly is. It reminds me of the boy that asked his father and he said, he said, dad, what is the size of God? And the father looked up at the sky and and he saw a plane and, uh, and he asked his son, son, what is the size of the plane? And the boy replied, well, it is very small. I I can hardly see it. Then the father took him to the airport. And as they approached the plane, he said, uh, he said, now, now my son, how big is the plane? And the, the, the boy replied, wow, dad, it's huge. And the father told him God's size 
depends on how close or how far you are to him. The closer you are to him, the greater and the greater he will be in your life. And that's true, isn't it? The God of the universe wants to be the Lord of our lives, but we have to let him in and be in relationship with him. Okay, so in our story, we're about three months in now and they are at Mount Sinai and God tells Moses this. He says, the Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud so that people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Then Moses told the Lord what the people had said and the Lord said to, and the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day, because on that day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, be careful that you do not approach the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain is to be put to death. They are to be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on them. No person or animal shall be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast may they approach the mountain. And I don't know about you guys, but that strikes a sense of awe in me when I read that. See, the people are getting prepared. They're going to see a human being interact with God, Moses. And, and it kind of, you know, when you read this, it kind of seems intense, right? It kind of seems harsh. And that's, that's maybe because we can often question that God can set boundaries. And we live in a time and a generation that meeting with God has kind of, in many senses, uh, begun to be very ordinary. But God is saying that it's not an ordinary thing. This is holy. To meet with God is holy, and holy is the opposite of common. And this is extremely important and not to be taken lightly. God is letting us know early in his word the proper order of things. And he's at the top, right? He comes first. And the rest of our lives will all get sorted out as long as we put him first. Not a side order or a weekend thing or an afterthought, but first. We seek him first. And point five is only when the awe of God rules your heart can you put things in their proper place. Only when the awe of God rules your heart can you put things in their proper place. Verse 16 goes on to read. So it came about on the third day when it was morning that there were thunding and lightning flashes and a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet sound so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was all in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire and its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the entire mountain quaked violently. When the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him with thunder. Pray with me. God, we come to you today with a sense of awe and wonder for who you are. God, we don't want to take this lightly. We don't want this to become common. 
We want to come and we want to worship you with all of our heart, soul, our mind, and strength. We want to renew the sense of awe of our relationship with you. And God, I pray for us today, no matter, no matter what people may be facing, no matter what kind of Red Sea they may be facing that seems imp impassable, I pray that, that you would let them know that you are with them and that you will provide a way, no matter how insurmountable or how impassable things may seem. You'll provide a way forward, Lord. You know, if you're out there today and, and you're ready to have that relationship with God, the God of the universe, the one that, um, that rules our lives, he has made a way for that through his son, Jesus Christ. And he has paid the penalty for the stain of sin in your life and in my life. You know, the Bible talks about new birth and new life in Christ. So if that's you, I just ask that you'd pray with me now. Say, Lord, I surrender my life and my sin to you. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. And I want to live my life for you. And if you're out there and you know, maybe you're feeling discouraged, maybe you're feeling burnt out, you're feeling um, tired, just pray with me. God wants us to draw close to him, to draw near to him. Just pray with me. God, we draw near to you today. We draw close to you today. We thank you that you're the author of our lives and we want to continue to renew our relationship with you, God. Thank you for the breath that you give us, for the life that you give us. May we live this life for your honor and for your glory. We love you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing in and through this community at Sun Grove. Thank you for the lives that potentially are, are changed today, God. We love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.